today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God doesn't need us to give. We need to give. And the reason we need to give is because in so doing, we acknowledge God as the rightful owner of all that we possess. If you really think about it, we are the owner of nothing and the managers of everything. One of the things that I learned early on as a new Christian is that I'm not really giving God 10%. It's that God is allowing me to keep 90% of his money. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. Most of us, at least once, have been hesitant to give our tithe. We've struggled with giving that portion of our earnings to God while worrying about making ends meet. But Pastor J.D. shifts the thought of having to give to one of being able to keep. God allows us to keep the majority of our blessings from Him. He doesn't need our money. He just wants our hearts. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. with his continuing study, Money and Giving. Well, one of the things that I wish I would have said but didn't was, you know, I don't think God notices the kind of cars we drive. He's not looking at the outward appearance. He's looking at our hearts. Now, I don't drive those kinds of cars. Not that I don't have the liberty in Christ to do that. It's just that I don't think it sends the right message. And so I drive a Hyundai Sonata, which I bought after my Toyota Camry went to Toyota Heaven. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and it was a used car, and that's what I drive. At the uh, old church, we had a, a spot that was actually, it, it said pastor. It was reserved for pastor. And it was, of course, the SDA church's parking spot. So, But I thought, you know, why not? I, I'm, I'm the pastor, so I'll go ahead and park in the pastor's parking stall. And so I, I went, went to pull in one day, and somebody had taken my parking spot. And it wasn't so much of a problem that they had taken my parking spot. It's just that what was parked in my parking spot, it was a luxury car. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not good. <laughs> Here's this expensive luxury car parked in a stall that says, Pastor, you go, oh, I see how it is. You're one of those. <laughs> so I prayed, and then they painted, and then they took the pastor sign down and then never put it back up. And I took that as an answer to prayer so I could park there again. And if somebody else parked there, they wouldn't think it was my car. I like what one commentator said about this poor widow. He writes, that poor widow's might was beyond the rich man's magnificence because it came out of a richer mind. It came out of a richer mind. Before we jump into our text, I think we need to know the backstory because it'll be germane to our understanding of what's happening here at this time, particularly with the Corinthian church. During this time, the early church was experiencing tremendous poverty, especially the church in Jerusalem, and it was due chiefly 
to the fact that at that time there was a severe famine. There was another reason why the Jerusalem church was more impoverished than the other churches, and that's because many of the Jews who came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ did so at a very high cost. It cost them their livelihood, their jobs for a Jew to become a Christian in that day. And it's not so much different today, but back in that day, it was unthinkable. You would be disowned by family. You would be terminated in your employment. If you had a business, nobody would come to your business and patronize your business. And so you would lose everything. And you would even lose family support, let alone financial income. It's for this reason that the Apostle Paul will now address an offering that came from the Macedonia and Achaia churches to give to this impoverished Jerusalem church. It seems that Paul, one of the Gentile Christians in that area of which the Macedonian and Achaia Christians were, to have the opportunity to give to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem to further build that bridge and that unity and that fellowship between Jews and Gentiles. So that's the backstory, and I think that with that, our text will come into sharper focus as we see how these Christians cheerfully gave, cheerfully, not grudgingly. And as we're about to see, they even, if you can imagine, pleaded with the Apostle Paul to give. That's really something. The first thing and the first reason really that they were like this is because these Christians saw giving as a gift, which is what giving is. Do you ever think of giving as a gift? It is one of the gifts, as we're about to see. But it's interesting to note in verse 1 that Paul makes mention of the Macedonian church's financial support being that of the grace of God and as a gift from God. We know that it's all of grace. We say it's all of grace. But if it's all of grace, then wouldn't it stand to reason that in the arena of giving, in the area of finances, that that is of grace as well? I think of the Proverbs that says that it is God who gives us the power to make wealth. It's the blessing of God that makes rich, and he has no trouble or sorrow to it. What Paul is saying here is that giving is a gift, and that there are those to whom God has given the gift of giving. The gift of giving. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, we see this list of the gifts. Verse 6, he says, we have different gifts according, here it is, to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, the gift of giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. 
If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, there are those who have the gift of giving. I think it was, again, Larry Burkett who once said that if you have the gift of getting, you're going to also have the gift of, did I say that right? If you have the gift of giving, you're also going to have the gift of getting. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) In other words, God's going to supply the gift. God's giftings and God's callings are God's enablings. God will never call us to do something or gift us something without also supplying that gift. It's kind of like with your kids. I know when our boys were young, we would give them an allowance, try to teach them how to budget and tithe, which they would. And it was interesting to watch the difference between the two. You you would kind of question the DNA because, you know, (laughs) one was a spender and one was a giver. They're, both of them are not like that anymore. They learned the hard way and they got the scars to prove it, thank God. But it's like what, what one said, money is round so you can let it roll. And the other said, no, money is round and flat so you can stockpile. So you got the stockpiler and you got the roller and both ends of the spectrum. But God knows which ones are going to be good stewards of that which he will entrust them with. Now we always talk about 1 Corinthians 10.13 in the context of trials. You know, God won't give you more than you can handle. You know, no temptation, trial has seized you, overcome you, but such as is common to man. But with the trial, he'll provide a way of escape so that you can bear up under it. In other words, God knows where you're breaking point is. He knows where that threshold is. And it's different for every single one of us, by the way. Now, we always frame that in the context of adversity. God isn't going to give you more than you can handle, we're quick to say. And that's true. But have you ever flipped it over and thought of it in the context of prosperity? God will not give you more prosperity than you can handle. Sure, God will not give you more adversity than you can handle, but So too, on the other side of that, God will not give you more prosperity than you can handle either. Because, and I've seen it over the years, both in business and ministry, sometimes a lot of money can do a lot of damage. I have a book in my library. The title says it all. The title is The Agony of Affluence. The Agony of Affluence. And certainly when it comes to giving, uh, as we're going to talk about here in a moment, this becomes a, a bigger issue. Think of it in this context. If I make, I'm just going to use some general numbers. If I make $1,000 a month and I give 10%, that's only $100. But if I make $100,000, then a tenth is $10,000? Is it? <laughs> Is that right? Is it 10? Yeah, 100. Yeah, good. Nice. Never good at math. There's not going to be math in heaven, I'm pretty sure. I hope not. There's not. A little bit easier to give 100 than it is 10,000, right? Well, 
the truth of the matter is that there are those who have the gift of giving, but that doesn't mean that those who don't have the gift of giving don't give. We're all to give as we've purposed in our heart. Again, not grudgingly, but cheerfully, willingly. And by the way, I hope you understand that God doesn't need us to give. Are we okay with that? I mean, you, you, you would think by listening to some of these ministries on the radio and watching them on TV, that God was really, that he really took a hit in this last financial crisis. That, you know, this ministry will not stay on the air unless you give money. To which I want to say, maybe it shouldn't be on the air then. You'll never hear that at the end of one of our broadcasts. And if you do, would you let me know? Because <laughs> I never approve that. No, God doesn't need us to give. We need to give. And the reason we need to give is because in so doing, we acknowledge God as the rightful owner of all that we possess. If you really think about it, we are the owner of nothing and the managers of everything. One of the things that I learned early on as a new Christian is that I'm not really giving God 10%. It's that God is allowing me to keep 90% of his money. And oh, by the way, isn't gratuity now up to 20%, 15%, 20%? That's, that's almost twice what the tithe is. And by the way, tithe is synonymous for tenth. That's what tithe means is tenth. But what are you saying, Pastor? Are you saying that tithing is a New Testament principle? I thought that was the law. And we're not under the law. Well, that's a good question. It does bring up a good question about tithing, specifically as it relates to the New Testament. It has certainly fueled the ongoing debate within the church today concerning the tithe as a New Testament principle. Some argue that the Old Testament tithe was under the law, which means that under the New Covenant, we're not required to tithe. We're not required to give 10%. Others argue that the tithe is actually pre-law, and they're right, by the way, vis-a-vis -vis the principle of first mention. The first time tithe is mentioned is pre-law, and it's in the book of Genesis when Abraham gives a tithe to Melchizedek. That's pre-law. So with the principle of first mention, it could be rightly argued that the tithe is not the law. It was pre-law, prior to the law. So what's the answer? Which is it? Is tithing applicable under the new covenant, or is it not applicable because it's Old Testament law? I hope you'll forgive the oversimplification with which I answer this, but I'm just going to share with you in my own life, personally, some of the things that I've concluded concerning this. And one of them is that I see the tithing as a minimum. I see the tithing as a minimum. And I want to share that because... It's really what Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 
23 concerning those who tried to keep the letter of the law when it came to tithing. It's a curse, actually, that he pronounces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Listen, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, you should still tithe, but don't neglect justice, mercy, and faith. And you should have justice, mercy, and faith and not neglect the tithe. And that's from the Savior himself. If you really want to get legal, and I know... Some have that propensity to do. And I think as you grow in Christ and mature in the Lord, you become less legalistic. My wife and I were talking about this recently, about how when we were young believers, that we were so legalistic. Even in our parenting. Oh my goodness. You watch TV. (gasps) Get TV behind me, Satan. But as you grow in grace and mature in the Lord, all things are lawful. Not all things are profitable or expedient, but we have that liberty in Christ. So, but if you really want to be legal when it comes to the tithe, well, check it out. It could be argued from Scripture that the Old Testament tithe would amount to about 30%. How's that for legalism? (laughs) I'll stick with the liberty side if you don't mind. 30%. That was the tithe that was required from the Israelites under the law. Now, the scriptures delineate between giving in three ways. And here they are. First, the tithe goes to the church or the storehouse, the place that you are getting fed. First and foremost, the first fruits, the tithe. Then over and above that are the offerings. And this goes to missions, other ministries that you want to support over and above the tithe, as we do as a church, by the way. And then the third one is alms to the poor. So you have the tithe, You have offerings and you have alms. And that is how the scriptures delineate it. We're going to see this next in chapter 9, verse 7, where it says, So with that understanding, with that in mind, let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver I think of this man uh, back in the 50s. His name was R.G. Letourneau. I have his book uh, in my library. This man was a multi-multi-millionaire. His uh, company was earth-moving equipment, big, heavy equipment. This man gave, get this, 90% of all of his income and all of his profits to the Lord. Now think about this. And the Lord just, can you imagine? I mean, here's the Lord in heaven going, 
I could trust that guy with a lot of money because he's going to use it to further the kingdom. So he just kept, I think it was Larry Burkett again. You'll forgive my continuing to quote Larry Burkett. But I think it was Larry Burkett who said, God's got a bigger shovel than you. <laughs> you know, you, you give and he, his, his giving back is bigger. He gives more. Now that's not necessarily why we give. But I'll tell you, real, real quickly, and we'll move on and bring it to a close. But I'll tell you this. My experience as a certified Christian financial concepts counselor, this is back in the 80s, many, many years ago. Uh, I would counsel couples that would come in to me with their financial problems. And I would sit down with them, and the first thing I would look at, I would have them fill out a budget sheet and a questionnaire. And the first thing I would look at in their budget is that tithe column. And without exception, every time there was a zero there, or we just can't right now, it was the reason why they were there in the first place. I never had to counsel anybody that had a number on that tithe column on that sheet. That's just the way it is. And we're going to talk about this later on in the series. where It's the only time in God's word in the book of Malachi where God says, you test me. You put me to the test. Can you imagine the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is saying to us, put me to the test? See, if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on your life that will be so massive, you won't even be able to contain it. Imagine that. I'll never forget the first time I tithed. I was scared to death. I laid out all my bills, and it was the first check I wrote. This is way before computers. Okay, I was five, so don't uh, try to figure it out. I wrote that check out, and I just said, okay, God, you said to test you. I'm putting you to the test. I don't know how 90% is going to go where 100% never went before, but I'm going to trust you. So here it is, 10%. And then I started proceeding to write out the rest of the checks for the rest of the bills. And as God is my witness, I not only had enough for all of those bills for the first time ever, but I actually had money left over. I thought I made a mistake in the math, as I'm prone to make. But it wasn't in the math. It was the miracle of God saying, put me to the test and see if I won't bless you. I went from being scared to death to tithe to being scared to death not to tithe. <laughs> and I've never looked back ever since. And God has always provided my every need. Thanks for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. We hope Pastor J.D. Farag's message from the book of 2 Corinthians has blessed you and that you continue to seek God's hand in your life. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D., simply visit our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Listen at the top of the page. You'll also find a link to subscribe to our podcast or you can download messages to share with your family and friends. Did you know you can also take In Spirit and Truth with you wherever you go? It's true. Using your Apple or Android smartphone, download our mobile app and have biblically sound messages available right at your fingertips. Links to the app are right on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
We'd also like to encourage you to find and join a local church community if you haven't already. Having a group of believers to support you and learn from God with you is a great encouragement. You too will have the chance to bless others with your own unique gifts and talents. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we would joyfully welcome you into our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Our weekly services focus on studying God's Word and worshiping our Creator. Service times and directions can be found by going to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at the bottom of the page. That's all we have for you today here on In Spirit and Truth. Be sure to join us again as Pastor J.D. digs deeper into the book of 2 Corinthians. With the old way, holy 